Hello, hello. Welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend. It's the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show, sponsored by Betfair. It's good to be back. Uh, This is a show that is very strictly for over-18s only. Gambling comes with significant risks. Uh, Make sure that if you're listening to this podcast, if you're thinking about placing a bet this weekend or any time, just make sure you understand them. Head to BeGambleAware.org. Please be disciplined. Please use a staking plan. Never bet more than you can afford to lose. Uh, Gamble responsibly. I'm Ali Maxwell. I've got bad cop George Ellick with me. Hi, mate. Bonjour, monsieur. Whoa. Yeah? Yeah. I, I, I thought, well, I thought maybe I'd do the whole thing in French, but then I realised that I couldn't say anything else for that. So now <laughs> I'm back to back to what I know, well, talking pure value. What I'd like to see is a greeting in a different foreign language each week until you run out of foreign languages. Okay. Can I set that as a challenge? Yeah. You might need to set yourself a reminder on your phone for every Thursday morning to look one up. No, I won't. You won't remember. I don't I don't need to look him up. Absolute nap. You will not remember nah. to do this next Thursday. All right, I will. But, okay. Konnichiwa. Uh, this is another season of the NTT20 betting show. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you're new here, welcome. If you're back for season, what are we in, season four or five of this show, uh, welcome back. We discuss with each other our picks ahead of the EFL weekend. George and I have been betting on the EFL for a long time. It's something that we enjoy doing. We enjoy doing it responsibly uh, and we like to justify our picks to each other. Uh, And hopefully you'll enjoy listening to this. But please make sure that you're applying your own thought when you are placing bets on the EFL on anything. This will be another season of combining research, numbers, hunches, stances, uh, and trying to outdo the Betfair Sportsbook uh, and those on the exchange as well. George, your passion for this journey never seems to die. And that's what makes it a pleasure to be on this with you. Thanks, mate. I'm excited. Last season, you dominated proceedings. So it's time that I stepped up to the plate. I spent um, a couple of hours this morning, a couple of coffees going through the card. So I'm excited to, to, to start, you know, trying to find some winners, basically. I think the the opening betting show that we did last week, which is kind of part antipost, part opening day weekend, wasn't the best of starts. You know, we got Stevenage up, which was good. But I think in terms of the antipost stuff, it uh, started very well. Obviously, Burnley looking very impressive. Um, of the rele- I think I put up a rele- relegation treble of which... Um, only Lincoln picked up a point with, with Reading being beaten and Rochdale being beaten as well. So that's got markedly shorter in terms of the, the top six um, kind of multi-posh winning, Millwall winning. Um, so some good early signs, I would say, that even if we didn't get the Saturday necessarily bang on, um, the early vibes have been pretty good. And this is also, again, a really fun weekend where you've only got one weekend's worth of data Um I still think that you can glean much more from one 90-minute game than maybe the market suggests that you can. I think we saw certainly on opening day a couple of teams who were quite good last season looking abject at best, uh, and they are still being priced up as if they are the kind of pre-season price. So exciting times. And I gave you a chance to sort of claim that there was some issue with the structure and that that's why I beat you uh, overall in the competition last season. But no, uh, you're happy to keep the same. No, you beat me because of pure variance. (laughs) It always comes down to that, doesn't it? That's the meaning of life in George Alex's mind is variance. Um, But that means we're using Mm. the same categories, the same staking plan as last season, a two point nap 
will be our strongest selection. We'll kick us off each week. Then a one-point next best. Uh, then a one-point lay using the Betfair Exchange, team that we fancy not to win. Uh, a goals bet, which will be an overs and unders, BTTS, yes, no, something like that. And then to finish us off, a goal scorer pick ahead of the EFL weekend as well. Uh, right then, let's kick off with our strongest selection. That is our naps in the EFL this weekend. George Ellick, take us away. My nap is in League Two. Uh, it is Salford to beat Swindon at 23 to 10 with a Betfair Sportsbook. Love that. Love that start. Over two to our nap, straight in. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think there's any point mucking around with with kind of uh, insurance bets and drawing bets. I think I'm going to be more aggressive anyway this season, to be honest, and, and start worrying too much about um, about things if you think the value is there. Yeah, at 23 to 10, I mean, I, I think they're going to go off a lot shorter than that um, for a few reasons. Uh, let's take both teams' opening game. Swindon went to Harrogate. Um, there is clear reason to be fairly concerned about what has gone on at Swindon Town over the summer. Um, we've seen Bed Garner leave. We've seen Ben Chorley leave. Uh, we've seen Garner replaced by his assistant manager who has no managerial experience whatsoever. We've seen key players moving on, including um, probably the best keeper in the league last season in, in Wallacott. Uh, and Jack Payne, one of the best attacking players in the league. Uh, Egbo certainly came in last season uh, and did a very good job and replaced by by plenty of players who um, you know we don't know a great deal about. They've still got uh, Gladwin, Williams and McCurdy being kind of the, the three key players from last season who remain there but I it feels to me like they are the kind of players that flourish in a decent team you know Gladwin even though he's got great technical ability um, he's not an athlete and I, and I worry about his ability to cover much of the park I mean Reed is also there of course who, who is the one who, who's very good um, but McCurdy we've seen one flash of brilliance in a season where he was profiting, I think, from being in a great side. I don't think he's necessarily someone you want when backs are against the wall. And, and Williams, clearly technically gifted, but certainly fit, fitness issues as well. And Payne, um, rightfully the one who, who gets the move further up the league. Um, Scott Lindsay's side on opening day set up in a 3-5-2. And they were beaten 3-0 by Harrogate's side that I remain pretty concerned about going forward uh, this season. Um, you know, Even a Harrogate were able to beat them and have started fast like they did in the last campaign. I'm definitely looking at this as being a, a bad opening performance from Swindon rather than necessarily them bumping into a, a very good side. With Salford, um, they had as tough a opening day fixture at home as you're going to get. You know, Mansfield, I think I think you and I are still fairly aligned that Mansfield are going to be a good side this season. There seems no reason why they shouldn't be playoff finalists in the last campaign. And, you know, Data-wise, I guess, um, things don't look great for, for Salford in this game with Mansfield dominating the shot count, the XG and everything else. But the key reason for that is because Salford had two shots within 25 minutes and, and scored them both. Uh, Callum Hendry making a very good start to, to life as Salford's new number nine, uh, Brandon Thomas-Asante, uh, doing what he does best with a great finish. And I think when you're 2-0 up, up against a side that you know are very good, no surprise really to see Neil Wood's side uh, drop in a bit and, and Mansfield come back into the ascendancy in the game with a two-goal deficit, um, but they were unable to um, really trouble them. I think King made one very good save. Um, and there was a lot to like, basically, about Salford's performance, uh, especially in that first half an hour. So I think Swindon looked to me to be a side who are, are massively uh, on the slide. Um, and We're not seeing yet any of the new additions. You know, it's only one game, of course, but there was enough to concern me there. And they are a key one where they're still being seen, I think, by the market as being a top seven, top eight side. I just don't think there's any evidence that that's the case 
um, this is going to be a way, in my view, a way easier game for, for Salford, despite being away from home. And Swindon just looking quick. I couldn't believe. Like on, on Monday, Swindon were odds on to win this game. Um, I, I, I don't see how anyone um, could be backing them at that price to do so. Um, it's, it's moved a bit. I think it'll continue to move. It wouldn't surprise me at all if if Salford go off uh, shorter than 2-1. to one. Um, So the 23-10, to 10, I still think it's it's massive value. I think they're the better, t- better side coming into the game. My nap is in League One. Uh, it's Plymouth Argyle to beat Fleetwood Town this weekend. Uh, they're away from home. They're 6-5. to five. For me, this is an Argyle side who I think were one of the most impressive performers of opening weekend. Uh, 1-0 win against Barnsley. Uh, it wasn't pure domination by any means, but from what I saw, it was a really nice continuation of what we saw last season uh, in terms of fluidity, in terms of style of play and build-up and players just understanding their roles and knowing how to fulfil them and and looking, to my eyes, Argyle ready to go from the off this season. 12 open play shots. Uh, it was a very, one of the higher numbers in the EFL last, se- uh, last weekend. And they played well. A few nice tweaks here. I mentioned on the Monday pod, uh, it's two tens behind a striker rather than one ten. Uh, behind two strikers, the, the introduction of Finn Azaz has made a big difference there. And him and Danny Mayer, I think, uh, if they can both stay fit and kind of thrive in, in a dual 10 role, then Argyle should be a serious force to be reckoned with going forward. Um, other new faces, Butcher in midfield, Randall as well, who's who's not new to the club, but kind of new to, to a first team role. And Barley Mumba as well, the left wing back, um, who looked really bright and got a, an assist for their winning goal. I watched Fleetwood's game against Port Vale, I watched the 10-minute highlights, the extended highlights, to try and get a, a better view of things because just from the, the shorter highlights, it looked like Fleetwood went ahead with a really nice goal uh, with, with Omakere and, and Dan Batty combining. Uh, and then it looked like they conceded two pretty soft goals from set-piece situations and we didn't see much else. So so I hoped to see maybe uh, a bit more of, of what we saw from their opening goal. That wasn't the case at all. Uh, I think for the most part, that was the exception to Fleetwood's play rather than the rule. I didn't see much to get excited about from, from that defeat to Port Vale. Um, they went ahead early, but it was Enciala just pumping a ball upfield to absolutely no one. Um, Paddy Lane won a second ball after it was headed away. And then, as I say, good combination play from Batty and Omakere to combine and score. But very that was really one of few bits of quality. They, they played with a very slow tempo. They didn't seem to get into many dangerous areas. Uh, and, of course, conceding two goals from set-piece situation, not ideal on opening day either. So, for me, that's against a, a Port Vale side that you know lacked strikers, Obviously got it done in the end, but but Argyle are just a completely different prospect to that Vale side, uh, and and therefore I don't see good things on the horizon for Fleetwood if that's their performance level to start the season. Two things that will help Argyle is that the weather looks good uh, in Fleetwood and the pitch looks good at this moment in time as well. I think when winter comes along, Fleetwood's one of those pitches where it can get really cut up and it can be quite difficult sometimes for away teams to come and adapt, especially when they're teams that like to get the ball out down and play. Not a concern for me this weekend for Argyle. Uh, and also just looking at last season, because I, I do think they're a team that haven't shifted loads or changed loads in the way that they play so I don't expect them to be massively different uh, to how they were last season they had a good record in these sorts of games away from home against teams below them Argyle nine wins five draws and three defeats that's nine wins in in 17 games better than one in two over 50% win rate I think there could be a a pretty sizable gap in quality between these two sides so I'm backing Argyle to do the business at at six to five two point two with the Betfair Sportsbook your next best yeah, next best going up to the championship. And it's kind of a similar idea to the, to the Salford bet, um, where 
I'm backing Hull at three to one um, just to win the game at Preston. Enough concerns with me over Preston's opening day. Well, I mean, not concerns. It, it, it wasn't a great performance. Um, they've drawn nil-nil away at a Wigan side who, to their credit, are the same Wigan side who won the League One Championship, um, you know, who were League One champions last season and haven't really changed much in terms of personnel. But Preston conceded 20 shots in the game, um, an XG of, of 1.75, and were fairly reliant on Freddie Woodman to, to, to make sure that they stayed level um in the course of that game and <clears throat> i think hull certainly looked to have the tools to cause them issues uh you know we spoke on monday about hull's opening day performance uh it was very good in flashes i think individual performances certainly w- were really promising uh, i mentioned that you know when ozan Tufan signed for hull i was a bit concerned after his watford loan spell last season but he's absolutely hit the ground running with a brilliant dominating um, first display that suggests he could, if fit and motivated, be, be better than the level. Um, and, and Seri getting off to a magnificent start as well, ignoring the, the you know 25-yard deflected strike that won the game. So Hull are still being perceived, in my mind, as a lower mid-table side uh, by the market themselves. Uh, that was the case before Saturday's game. I think a 2-1 win over Bristol City has done little to change that perception but I think um, they are a team who are set to continue to improve as the season goes on given the, the new nature of it you know we had the owner saying before the season started he didn't think they were ready but you know as you and I know uh, pre-season form is irrelevant and, and they turned up and, and were bang at it really for, for a good deal of that Bristol City game uh, even though they had the, the good fortune of the penalty that, that helped them along you know the, the two goals were both fortuitous there's no denying that but if you strip out the goals of the game and look at the pure performance. There was enough to be excited about. So, um, you know, I'm not quite as negative on Preston as I was about Swindon. Um, but this is following the same line where I'm not entirely sure um, the match odds reflect where I perceive both to be. And, and you know, right now I would have Hull strong favourites to finish above Preston over the course of the season. Um, obviously, there is a, a palpable home advantage for Preston. But at 19 to 20, uh, there's no way I'll be backing the odds on. I don't think there's a better than 50% chance Preston come away as winners. And again, I'm pretty happy just rather than um, back in the draw no bet or whatever to try and make the most of, of, of hopefully what is some quite clear value here and, and take the three to one. Yeah, my next best is Carlisle in League Two to win uh, at 3.3, 23 to 10 with the Betfair Sportsbook. They're away at Colchester United this weekend. Now, one of the big questions after opening weekend was were Crawley Town really bad or were Carlisle United really good? in their 1-0 win and it's hard to say definitively it could be both of course and we'll find out a little more this weekend based on the two teams performances either way it was absolute dominance from Carlisle United even if the scoreline was only 1-0 do not let that deflect from what was one-way traffic throughout nine of Carlisle's 10 outfield players had a shot in this game they racked up a ton of shots from open play, from set-piece situations. Um, they were excellent and they, and they could have won by a much more significant margin. I dare say if they had, maybe there would have been a, a bigger shift in, in how they were rated by the bookmakers and, and maybe they would have been shorter to win this game against Colchester United. So I guess in a sense I'm kind of happy that it was only 1-0, but that you know my understanding of that game, having watched the extended highlights, is, is that Carlisle absolutely battered Crawley and were looking really good. Jordan Gibson in particular... Uh, in that sort of 10 position, drifting out wide and combining with wing-backs uh, and, 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 the, and the forwards as well. Brilliant performance. And, you know, he's he's a player that I love because he's the sort of player that makes me love watching football. 
uh, he hasn't always been hugely consistent. So the gauntlet's laid down for Jordan Gibson to put in a second amazing performance to start the season. And then I really will get excited. Um, Moxon had a great debut, good game in midfield, delivered some excellent set pieces. I've always liked Callum Guy alongside him. So hopefully them as a duo will be a really strong midfield uh, too. And then, well, up front they had Christian Dennis who looked bang at it uh, and Ryan Edmondson as well. Omari Patrick coming off the bench uh, is a hell of a thing that I mean I wonder if he might start here I'm not sure but I, I would I could kind of see why you'd hold Patrick back and bring him off the bench against tired defenders because of his skill his direct his direct running and dribbling ability while uh, and sort of leave Dennis and Edmondson to kind of uh, tire the defenders out with their more physical style uh, as for Cole you uh, who host Carlisle this weekend uh, they lost 3-2 to Northampton they did manage two goals against Cobblers which is certainly one or two more than I expected the penalty that they got was pretty soft I think it's fair to say the other goal was a rare bit of quality from them in the game Nuble uh, doing a great job down the side and, and cutting it back to Noah Chilvers who finished well and Chilvers is is not just looking like Colchester's star man which is how he ended last season but also potentially one of the better players in the whole division so really their big bright spot at the moment as a, a goal scoring attacking midfielder but overall I'm not getting blinded by Chilvers's performance Cole, only had three open play shots, uh, admittedly against one of the best defences in the league in, in Northampton Town. But uh, despite those two goals, I still don't think they were a, a huge threat. And, uh, well, Cobblers showed that, that you can hurt them at the other end as well. Uh, we had Cole in the bottom two in our 1-24s, which just shows where we rate them currently. Uh, didn't have Carlisle much higher, to be honest, even though I'd seen huge positivity from their fan base, particularly around the manager, Paul Simpson, and how well coached they felt their team would be. Uh, on the 1-24s, I said... I wasn't going to get excited about it until I'd seen the evidence this season. And opening day was pretty good evidence. And I've taken a good look at that. And I am excited. So I'm not going all in yet. But I'm happy to dip my toe in. That's for sure. Carlisle 3.3, to 10 with the Betfair Sportsbook. I think at this stage of the season, with only opening day to go off, uh, you have to try and play this sort of bet at over 2-1. to one, and, and I'm glad, having thought that, to see you kind of following a, a, a similar process with your first two picks as well this weekend. Exciting stuff. Uh, don't forget, it's Bet 10, Get 2 with the Betfair Sportsbook. That means if you bet £10 on EFL Ackers this season, you'll get a £2 free bet uh, to use as well. T's and C's in the bio uh, in the description of this podcast. Please make sure you check them out to understand exactly what this means. But bet 10 uh, on EFL Ackers, you'll get a £2 free bet. Uh, now we'll shift over to the exchange, George, and, and put up a lay bet. Yeah, my lay is in the championship again. Uh, there's quite a few that I like, um, but I'm going to... I mean, I'll, I'll rattle through a couple of others in, in case people care. Um, hopefully it's not matching up with you. But I <clears throat> I think Oxford are too short at home to, to Cambridge um, in League One at 1.79. Um, I think that in the championship. I think Sheffield United are way too short at home to Millward as well after what we saw on Monday night. They're about 1.93. Um, but the one that I'm going to go for is Norwich at 1.71 um, at home to Wigan. I mentioned there, you know, Wigan put up a decent show against uh, against Preston on opening day. They were the better team of the two. I do think that even if Wigan's season doesn't continue to progress so well, I think that starting the campaign with the same set of players and the same manager that you finished the last one in is a massive positive early in the season. It wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Wigan get off to a very good start and then other teams begin to, to kind of catch up on them as, as they um, settle into their new squads. Um, so 
Uh, and Norwich were, I mean, I'm going to talk about this again in, in a second in the goals bet, but Norwich were absolutely miserable on opening day. Um, I also fear, you know, this is live on Sky, 12.30, early kickoff on a Saturday. I really fear for how this game could progress if things don't start particularly well for Norwich. Um, you know, Dean Smith, as much as, as I like him as a man and rate him as a coach, it, it, to me at the moment just feels like a really bad fit um, for whatever reason that there is no discernible style of play. Um, the, the fan base off the back of the relegation last season are not on board at all. And we'll come into this game, the home fans, pretty angry after what they saw last weekend, where not only um, did they lose at Cardiff, but there was there was no fight. Well, there was, there was literally fighting, but there was no positives really to take from the performance at all, uh, apart from being able to, to keep a 1-0 a up Cardiff at bay, but Cardiff weren't really looking to attack. Um, so if things don't start well and, and if we can do start fast and serve it up to Norwich, I think things could get pretty nasty pretty quickly. Um, and I wouldn't surprise me at all if things don't go well here, then Dean Smith's going to be the first manager in the championship whose job is going to come into serious threat. Um, so, yeah, I think they're, they're mightily short at the price there at the moment. There was nothing uh, last weekend to suggest that they should justify being uh, 1.71 going into this game now up against a side in Wigan who are up really mobile and, and put in a decent first performance will have nothing to fear coming into it so I think if you're backing Norwich at 1.71 you are punting on a completely different performance and and we have to remember as well Grant Hanley um, arguably their most influential player certainly their most influential defender uh, is suspended for this after getting two yellow cards as well which isn't going to help so um, yeah, very positive on on uh, on on Wigan's chances to take something from the game and think Norwich are way too short. Similar theme here in that I'm laying one of the former Premier League sides relegated to the Championship this season and laying your boys Burnley Vanson Companies at Barcelona at 1.83 at they're playing against Luton at Turf Moor this weekend. Now I loved watching Burnley beat Huddersfield on Friday night. I was. Uh, as discussed on Monday, uh, just as excited as everyone else to see them playing in that sort of style, um, uh, squawking at, at Josh Cullen's performance, etc. But I think there's a chance that Huddersfield's complete horror show of a performance was a pretty big contributor to how easily Burnley were able to play through and create chances, particularly in that first half. Um, as much as Burnley instantly playing like you know Barcelona and, and Liverpool had had a beautiful baby, I just... I do not see any way that this Luton side are as easy to play against, as easy to play through as Huddersfield were. They had huge gaps between their midfielders. They played a pretty crazy high line with defenders that don't suit that. It got exploited time and time again. Um, my inclination is to suggest that managers who have a really strong grip on their team like Nathan Jones uh, and a team that finished in the top six last season, lest we forget, I don't think they let that sort of thing happen. I don't think they turn up as poorly prepared as Huddersfield did for this game. And it's not just about, you know, trying to me saying Luton are going to sit in and nick a nil-nil. I don't necessarily think that will be the case. Uh, Burnley are going to attack in numbers. That's fine because Luton are pretty well placed to hurt them on the break. Uh, they're going to have Elijah Adebayo and Carlton Morris up front against, if it's the same teams as last week, Harwood Bellis and, and Charlie Taylor. I, I like that matchup for Luton. I think they should give them a serious going over on the break. Then you've got Cornick to come off the bench. You've got Woodrow to come off the bench as well. 
I, I can see a few ways of, of Luton hurting Burnley, just as I can see, you know, if Burnley do click and continue to play incredible attacking football, I'm sure they will create chances of their own. But I just think Luton will make it significantly harder than Huddersfield did. So if Burnley win and they win comfortably, then I'm going to start getting even more excited about Vinnie Company's boys. But at the moment, uh, for this game, I'm not seeing it being as easy as that. So I've laid them with the Betfair Exchange uh, at 1.83. Goals bet, George. Start the season with... What's my name? George Elek. No, hi, my name is Ali Maxwell and I'm having an under goals double in the championship. <laughs> First time I've ever done this. Pretty exciting. Stepping into your shoes, your tiny shoes. My feet are coming out the end of them. Brave new world. Yeah. Um, well, as we know, um, I'm not going to go into the stats again because we did it on Monday, but, but uh, last weekend was... Uh, not full of goals in the championship for whatever reason. There was only one game that went over two and a half goals. That was Hull against Bristol City that only copped um, in injury time. As I said, after a deflected effort, it was a cagey start to the season. And there are two games that I think um, represent value. I mean, I wouldn't put you off backing them as singles at all, but because there were two, I just thought I'd lump them together for a, a 2.11 to one uh, double or 3.11 um, in terms of decimal. Uh, the first is Norwich Wigan. The game I just laid Norwich in uh, for obvious reasons, as I said. Uh, if you're looking at the, you know, the, the stats from the the Norwich uh, Cardiff game, it was 0.08 for Cardiff, I think, and 0.3 for for Norwich XG. A really game, a game just really devoid of any attacking flair or, or verve. Um, I think Norwich should have enough to to prevent Wigan from, you know, um, creating too much. But similarly, there was no suggestion that Norwich had the um, were settled in terms of their attacking play at all under Dean Smith. And I, I think of four to five. Um, unders here looks like value and then Swansea Blackburn is the other one um looking at Swansea's game against Rotherham uh the XG there in a one-all draw came to 0.62 Rotherham 0.58 Swansea so again a game where neither side created a great deal and uh in the although we should say that my don't think my club of Femi's um miss was was registered in that because uh he basically passed it backwards so oh, it didn't go down as a shot I asked about this it's quite interesting actually yeah it doesn't quite make sense in my head, but I, I think it's interesting at the very least. I spoke to Opta about this um, and I said, I don't think Michael Obafemi's chance was logged. He basically kicked it out of the goal from two yards out. And they said, according to Opta definitions, in order for an action to be considered as a shot or shot attempt, the ball must go forward in direction of the opposite goal after the player's touch. In, in this case, as the ball goes directly behind the player after the touch, uh, towards his own goal that's collected as a poor touch but would also have been logged as error chance missed so that we have this chance statistically collected so weirdly Perot gets the expected assists the XA number but Obafemi right. doesn't get the XG number Bit peculiar. yeah I disagree with that entirely personally but um but either way I mean it was still a cagey game is is, is what I'm saying and then in, in Blackburn QPR, um, Lewis Travis scored the only goal of the game, which was a worldie, um, a, a brilliant strike with the EFL Jabluani. And uh, and again, the, the figures there, 0.3 for Blackburn, 0.14 for QPR. Um, so two game, two sides in Blackburn and, and Swansea who played out pretty, bored, well, pretty boring games. Uh, on opening day, um, looked pretty solid defensively, didn't create much going forward. So um, I think both games look well set to me to be Unders and yeah, over two to one, the pair, uh, the double is the way I'm playing the goals. And I'm going with an over 2.5 treble, hoping for goals, avoiding the championship. Uh, in League One, two selections here, Barnsley versus Cheltenham at even money. Cheltenham's away games last season averaged 3.61 goals. 
Obviously, their manager will be in the opposite dugout uh, this weekend against Barnsley. Uh, Duff versus his former assistant, Wade Elliott. The early signs in that Cheltenham 2, Peterborough 3 game is that they'll continue to attack under Wade Elliott, but be leaky as hell. Uh, that's at even money. Oxford versus Cambridge. Uh, the boat race, well, hey, um, that is over 2.5 goals at 1.9. Uh, Yellow's home games last season averaged 3.22 goals and Cambridge's away games averaged 3.17 goals. So kind of statsy that. Uh, Crawley versus Leighton Orient makes up the treble at even money. For for me, this is about the style of play of both teams. Uh, we saw Crawley last weekend play, well, attempt to play quite an expansive attacking, high-pressing game against Carlisle. It was pretty disastrous, uh, out of possession. They were all over the place. And I think Orient, they should be very good going forward on their day under Wellens if, if he's got uh, his teeth into things there. So I'm going Crawley Orient over 2.5 goals at even money. So the treble, well, pop them all together. You get 7.6 with the Betfair Sportsbook, the multi. Uh, that's a touch over 13 to 2. And it's Barnsley, Cheltenham, Oxford, Cambridge and Crawley, Leighton Orient over 2.5 goals treble. Uh, remember with the... With Betfair's Bet Builder, you can combine selections easily into one bet. With Betfair's popular Bet Builder, you can easily add all the trending Football League Bet Builder selections to your bet slip in one tap. If you head to the Betfair Sportsbook, you'll see what I mean by the popular Bet Builder feature and it allows you to add those trending EFL Bet Builder selections into your bet slip in just one tap. Uh, leaves us with the goal scorer, George. Always a nice way to finish. Yeah, following on to what you said about Carlisle. Uh, I'm hoping for my anti-posts uh, bets on Crawley that it is just Carlisle being unbelievable rather than Crawley being desperate. Um, but I think there's fair reason to think that it was. I mean, they, they created so many chances in the game and I back them as well uh, to go and beat Colchester on Saturday. Um, in terms of goal scoring, I think because they're overpriced, some of their players are, are, are big prices to score. And I'm going for Ryan Edmondson, who... Um, had an XG of, of 0.46 in the game from, from three shots. He played 90 minutes. He's been given the number nine shirt. It feels to me like he goes into this season as very much Carlisle's main man and main striker. And he's priced up at seven to two to score any time. Um, I think if, if Colchester do repeat the kind of performance we saw against Crawley, um, then I would be confident that he's going to be put into goal scoring positions. And um, and yeah, I think that is value. My, my only concern and the only reason why I didn't have them as one of one of my nuts or MBs was just that even when they were so good last season at the back end under Paul Simpson, as they eased away from relegation, the away form had three consecutive away wins, which was in that period that got them out of trouble. And then they, they finished the season very, very poorly away from home. So I do wonder if they are going to be a side who thrive at home um, rather than, than, than in both cases. But I do think that going to a side that we had um, down as being relegation candidates or, or likely for relegation, um, seven or two about the main man um, and, and a guy who got in good positions on, on Saturday is, is way too big. I'm pretty excited for my first goal scorer pick of the season. Uh, and I mentioned his name earlier and I didn't give away the fact that I'd be mentioning him again at the end. You can't spell Bali Mumba without Ali. Yeah. He's my pick. Plays for Plymouth Argyle. My nap this weekend away at Fleetwood Town. Uh, I'm backing him with a quarter point first goal scorer at 50 to 1. Quarter point last goal scorer 50 to 1. Half a point anytime goal scorer. 22 to 1. Mumba caught my eye watching the highlights of their game against Barnsley last weekend, playing left wing back in this Argyle system, which, as discussed, is a 3 4 2 1. They attack with a front five, and that front five is Hardy, the striker, the two tens, and the two wing backs. 
So this pick is partly due to his position. Um, in build-up attacks, it was very clear that he was getting very far forward and any deliveries from the right, you can expect Mumba to be at the back post. He's also a right-footer playing left wing-back, which means his sort of natural inclination is to, is to cut in and drive inside and potentially get some shots off with his right foot. Against Barnsley, he had five touches inside the box, uh, one shot, a few driving dribbles. He got that assist for the Azaz goal as well. And that was a game with 50-50 possession. Now, my expectation this weekend is that their game against Fleetwood, Argyle will have the majority of play. I expect them to dominate the ball. Um, and therefore, I expect Mumba to be taking up some very high attacking positions on the left-hand side. Argyle's left wing back from last season, Connor Grant, Scored, thir- uh, scored 30, scored seven goals in 37 starts. Uh, Edwards, the right wing back, scored five goals. They were Argyle's third and fourth top scorers last season. So you can see that Argyle's wing backs are a huge part of their goal threat. Uh, Edwards on the right had five shots last week, so he's definitely one to watch as well. Clearly a big threat too. Uh, he's 12 to one first and 11 to two any time. So uh, because I'm a sucker for the longer price, I'm taking the 50 to one first and last, 22 to one any time for Barley Mumba. I'm confident that he'll get in some good positions and then it's just about it falling nicely for him. I'm excited about this. Mumba's never scored a senior league goal, but neither had Newport's Rob Street when I tipped him up last season, and that was a great moment. So, uh, hoping that I'm a, a first senior league goal whisperer, hoping that Barley Mumba does the business for me. For me. Uh, 50 to 1, first and last, and the half point on the 22 to 1 any time price. Okay, there we have it. Our selections laid out five different categories using the Betfair Sportsbook and the exchange as well. George, please recap your bets. Yeah, looking at my Nap is Salford to go and win away at Swindon at 23 to 10. Next best Hull at Preston 3 to 1. Laying Norwich at 1.71. An unders double in the championship. Norwich against Wigan and Swansea against Blackburn at 2.11 to 1. And Ryan Edmondson 7 to 2 score any time for Carlisle away at Colchester. Enjoying the aggressive approach taken. Merci beaucoup. See how it goes. I'm backing Plymouth Argyle at 6-5 to five to win at Fleetwood as my nap. I'm also backing Carlisle United to take the long trip to Colu and win at 23-10. to 10. Uh, I've laid Burnley 1.83. That's been matched on the Betfair Exchange this morning, Thursday the 4th. Uh, and my goals pick is an over 2.5 treble. Barnsley-Cheltenham. Oxford, Cambridge, Crawley, Orient, all three of them over 2.5 comes out at 7.6 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, and Barley Mumba, my goal scorer, first of the season, quarter point, 50 to 1, uh, first quarter point, 50 to 1, last goal scorer, and half a point at 22 to 1 any time. Really exciting stuff. Thank you to Betfair. It means a lot to have them commit to another season of sponsorship uh, on the Not The Top 20 pod, both the Monday pod as well, but of course the betting show too. It's fantastic to have their support and it allows us to keep doing what we love to do and that's cover the EFL as best we can. So thanks for all your support with the 1-24s and the first Monday pod of the season, which I hope you enjoyed and we look forward to talking to you again on Monday. Go well, enjoy your weekend.